Welcome to Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and Jim, a little bit of an unusual circumstance here. We're surrounded by women here in the studio for, I think it'll be a, a really, really interesting conversation. Well, ladies, if you've ever interacted with a male colleague at work and wondered, why in the world did he respond that way? I think this broadcast is going to be for you. We talk a lot at Focus on the Family about the differences in gender. Men think one way, women think another. There's a myth in psychology and social science that we're all the same. But now MRIs and other things that watch how our brain fires can prove that we fire differently. And uh, today we're going to talk about those differences, and especially those differences in the workplace. Uh, We want to be bold and honest today, and we have a group of women who are willing to be bold and honest right around us, and uh, they represent Focus on the Family staff members and students and many others. So let me welcome all of you to Focus on the Family. Pretty bold and honest there. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, we have a woman who's been writing about this subject for many years. Her name is Shanti Feldhahn. She's written a book called For Women Only in the Workplace, and she's done extensive research to really dig into what are the attitudes of men and women in the workplace and has found some astounding hmm. results. And Shanti, it is great to have you back in the studio. It is always good to be with now, you Now, i got to tell you, now when you've come to focus on the family, you can stir the pot. <laughs> well, it's sort of, you know, half the fun. But yeah. the good thing about it, and what I want you to stick with us and endure, is the honesty that's here. Uh, mm-hmm. Shanti does a wonderful job getting to the core of the matter. And let's just start right there. Why did you feel motivated to go after this research and describe the research for us? Well, see, the thing is, when I originally wrote the original book for women only, well, I started to get these email messages and phone calls from some of my friends who were out there in the workplace and were doing all this stuff and they're trying to be a good wife at home and trying to be a, you know, a really solid uh, witness at work. And they started saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm seeing all these ways. Yeah, this impacts my husband, but wow, this really is changing how I'm thinking about men at work. And I realized, you know, there is so much, just like we can sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot in a relationship with our husband and not know it and certainly not intend it. There's ways that we're really derailing ourselves in what God has called us to do in a ministry sense or in our whatever our workplace is. And we just don't know it simply because of how we approach the men that we're working with. Mm. And that could be anything from, you know, your male boss to just a coworker, a man that you're managing or a male customer, a male client. And all of that, we're all, you know, one person, you know, we're at home, we're in the workplace. And I just feel like we need to learn how to honor the way God has made men. Mm. Statistically, Jimmy, I don't know if you have the numbers there, but 76% of women who have children who are school age children, so under 18, 76% of those women are in the workforce in some way for Mm. in paid work. That's a huge majority, and it is so needed not just to talk to them about, you know, here's how you handle your marriage, but here's how you handle all the stuff that happens between nine and five or whatever it is that they do, uh, because it all impacts our marriage, right? It all impacts our family. Mm. Tell us how you collected it. What was the sample size and that kind of thing? Well, now I've gotten the input 
um, surveys and interviews from I think I'm about five thousand five hundred men. So it's a, it's um, a big sample. It's, oh, it's a huge sample size. Yeah. Talk about some of those things that shocked you. Just mm-hmm. what, you know, we've talked a lot about the jaw dropping, but yeah. what made your jaw drop? When I eventually wrote, you know, for women only about the personal side, one of the big findings that ended up being also a huge deal on the professional side is the whole issue of respect. We've talked about this now a lot here about how the fact that we women are so oriented to care and to give love and to say, I love you in the personal side of things. And for men, that's nice, but that's not what most drives them. Mm -hmm. And that they said on the survey, they would actually give that up if that's what it took to get the feeling that their wife respected them. And that inside every guy, there's this secret self-doubt. Am I really any good as a husband or a father? And it's certainly the case in the workplace. Do I have any idea what I'm doing? Somebody's going to walk in the room and find out that I have no idea what I'm doing. And so that sense of respect and she thinks I'm good at my job and, you know, she trusts my judgment is a huge deal in the workplace. And we can send this damaging message that you're inadequate. I totally don't trust your judgment. And that is obviously extremely damaging to your effectiveness in your job. It's also extremely damaging, honestly, to your ability to be a good Christian witness in the workplace. Uh, A couple of thoughts come to mind. One is uh, some people may be hearing that either men or women get off the hook because of this pre-wiring that we're describing. (laughs) That's not the message at all, because Mm -hmm. I think as the Christian Uh, We need to uh, be selfless. We need to learn a servant attitude. And so for either men or for women, the reason to better understand the opposite uh, gender is to better fulfill our Christian witness in many ways. But the answer for us as Christians is very different Mm -hmm. than in the world, because in the world, really, it's the one calculus, what's in it for me. And yeah, we do have to consider that because, you know, I need to feed my family or whatever. But God also has this wonderful paradigm that really is a paradox that if we will look at what the other person needs and meet it, if we will come at it from a servant's heart, we will in the end be so much more effective and that'll be better in the end for us. Mm. When we look at the area of emotions, I mean, this is one where the genders clash because, you know, for most men, and again, these are general statements, and I know that the 80-20 rule applies, but for most men, you know, we button down our emotions. We try to manage them, keep them under control. In the workplace, you interact with a lot of different people, Uh, and sometimes women use emotion, seemingly, uh, to a man in order to (laughs) get their way or express something. I'm probably stepping on some toes. I'm just trying to represent your survey data. Tell me what you found in there. Paint that picture of emotions for us. You know, this is one of the areas that is the most high leverage and game-changing when we really understand this as women. And this helps at home or in the workplace, by the way. This is either place. Is to recognize that we all kind of recognize, like in the workplace, for example, we all kind of recognize that getting emotional is sort of inappropriate and a bit unprofessional and makes things a little bit difficult, which is... Of course, why it's so mortifying when it happens. You know, I think most of the women listening to this have been in their boss's office crying at some point. You know, it's just sometimes that just happens. But really what I hadn't recognized until I started talking to all these guys, it's not just that they view it as sort of unprofessional. It's way more damaging than that. And it's also we also have to recognize what they view as getting emotional to begin with 
what I hadn't realized is the male brain, again, this is the brain science, truly, because the male brain is compartmentalized and wired to do one thing deeply at a time, it's actively difficult for a man to process a thought and a feeling at the same time. Like he'll do one and then the other. And so he'll think through something and then deal with the feelings about it. And guys have trained themselves. They know that all this emotion kind of furs up the gears and they have to set aside some of that in order to think clearly. So what that means, though, is that if a guy can't think clearly when he feels himself getting really emotional, he looks at you as a woman getting emotional and he assumes you're not thinking clearly either. And that is not the case for women because the way God wired our brains, by contrast, is that we have this sort of multitasking brain, not the one thing at a time brain. And so we can be getting pretty upset about something and still be thinking very clearly, thank you very much. But guys don't know that. And so there's this fear like, oh, you know, things are getting emotional and I'm going to have to redo this meeting later when, you know, people are thinking clearly because this is going to redirect the meeting. And so to be aware as a woman that they see it that way is so vital to be able to just address it like, you know what, you know, Bob, ah, Jim, <laughs> I I know I'm getting passionate about this, but I just want to express again why A, B, and C just won't work here. And you're proving that you're thinking clearly, so you take it off the table. One of the things that – there's several things that guys view as getting emotional that are way beyond just kind of the fighting back tears. And it's that, like, defensiveness, you know, where, for example, you know, he says in a meeting, you know, uh, Shanti, why didn't you um, do the analysis on this piece? You did it on this but not this. And me, you know, I, I, I say, well, hold on, Jim. You know, remember three months ago I told you I was going to need this big package, this budget package in order to do that analysis. And you said we couldn't afford the $50,000 it would take. And so I didn't do it. You know, and it's like your voice is rising <laughs> and you're getting this defensive sound. And the guy is thinking, oh, you know, it's that deer in the headlights. The emotion is entering the building kind of thing. There's so many of those pieces of the puzzle, even for something that's common to us as women, which is if we say, I think we need to do it this way, and you get shot down, and you think, oh, man, I can see the train wreck coming. And so you go back and you say, you know, John, um, you know, I know we said we weren't going to do this, but let me just explain why really, honestly, we really need to, okay, I'll, I'll look at it, okay, and then no, we're not going to do it. Uh, well, let me just come back. And you're pushing. The guy starts to think she's emotionally attached. This isn't objective anymore. You know, she, this has become emotional to her. And it's ironic because it's because we can see the train wreck coming and because we're being logical. But he doesn't see it that way. And it's all about learning what is it that is going to make us more effective once we are aware of how they are going to see certain things. The key, though, again, I come back to what is going to make you more effective, and certainly not just for your career, but for the kingdom. And honestly, you're not going to be able to represent Christ well if you constantly have this kind of defensive attitude. And instead, it makes an enormous difference when you try to meet somebody else's needs and serve them. Let's dig a little further. What about that wonderful mom, a Christian mom? who has a job because they're struggling to make ends meet or for whatever lifestyle reason they've chosen that they need two incomes. And she's feeling pulled in every direction, Shanti. She gives 100%. She's 
100% in each one, and she's trying to be the best wife, and she's trying to be the best mom, and she's trying to measure up in the workplace to be the best that she can be. And she's got all that competition in the workplace trying to prove herself. She may feel a bit disadvantaged because she is the woman and she's in a world of men. That can feel like a heavy burden where you you feel like you're failing perhaps at everything. Hmm. You're not succeeding because yeah. uh, the kids had to have another microwave meal tonight. Yeah. And I didn't have time to cook. Yeah. And my husband got very little of my attention because I was distracted with other things. Uh, speak to that woman. You know, and that's probably your average listener. I mean, that's probably most women in, in many ways today. And truly, this is where it gets into the recognition that we can't have it all and be it all and do it all without something suffering. And that there really is this need to understand how to make some of these priorities and choices and make wise decisions about what matters most first. You know, the idea that there is a way that we can prioritize by starting with, you know, not doing it all, but doing what matters most and really drawing a box around it. Let me give you an example. You know, I just flew into Colorado, obviously here to to do this broadcast with you and met an old friend who had moved from where we used to live and went to our church. And, and she was describing how she's completely in that, you know, she was trying to be the great wife and the great mom and the great worker. And she worked for a, a big church. And she felt like God was saying, your kids are getting into the middle school years. They're going to soon be teenagers. This is going to be the point where you need to be more available to them rather than less. But if she felt like God was telling her, you need to tell your job that you need to give up this one key part of your job. Like you have these five tasks you regularly do, and there's this one that's regularly taking you away from the kids. So you need to talk to your job about carving that out and giving it to somebody else. And normally that's like a job risk kind of situation. It's not like you get to decide normally what you give up in your job. But she felt very strongly that she needed to do that. And in the end, truly, God honored that. And she went in very open. We talk about this in this book as well. You need to recognize when you're making these choices, you're truly making choices. There may be you might have to take a pay cut. There may be that you don't get the best promotion. There may be that you don't get all the best deals or whatever, but what is more important? And so she went in and talked to her bosses about it. They sent it all up the chain, and she kept her job, and they understood this was carving out something that was really critical for her, and she was worth it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you do need to take the pay cut or whatever. But the key is what is your priority, and how are you going to make it work for you? Shanti, go a little bit further and help the woman who's listening who may not have that that opportunity to say, I want to drop 20% of my job. Right. What are some things she needs to know about the guys at work, either that she reports to or works with when she asks maybe for a season of flex time or something yeah. like that? What's going on? I mean, is there a sense of, gee, you're a slacker or... Or what's happening? It's interesting. Now, because I've interviewed so many men, I've asked them, so many men, that question. And it's really interesting. Most men are actually really supportive. Like on a personal level, they're much more supportive than I would have realized. A lot of them said, you know, if this is my wife and she's going to her boss and asking for this, I would hope her boss was supportive. He said, however, that doesn't mean it's equal. You know, she is asking for something that is truly requiring something from us. 
And I will respect her far more if she says, look, I recognize that this is a sacrifice. I mm-hmm. recognize that I need to make some sort of a trade-off here in, in pay or, you know, I won't be on the, the Becker deal or whatever. But I'm willing to, you know, do this. I'm willing maybe it's that I have to leave at 3 o'clock every day, you know, because my kids have been having some issues and I have to take them to tutoring or whatever. And to say, you know what, I recognize that this is a sacrifice. So here's what I'll do. I promise that after the kids are in bed – I will finish off whatever I didn't finish between three and five or whatever and see how it works. And so the thing that the guy said is that they respected it so much more if she came in recognizing that this actually was a trade-off and treated it that way instead of, well, I'm owed this. Well, let's uh, do the daring thing and move to some questions mm-hmm. from within our uh, studio here and focus on the family. The first question. Hi, my name is Jennifer. Shanti, in talking about women showing emotion at work, we've all been there. We've all all had tears um, in the office. Sometimes as a woman, you're just not in control of your own body, whether it's a chemical thing or you're still dealing with something that happened at home. What advice do you give to women who come to work knowing that they might be hypersensitive or they might just be having one of those days where on the verge of tears? You know, this is honestly where it becomes so important to have your coping mechanisms. And I mean, I could say this because I'm like exhibit A for I've been in those situations where I just can't hold it together. And literally, there have been a couple cases where I had to make a decision. And this is you kind of have to plan this in advance. It's almost like having a script in your head that you can pull out when you need to, to be able to say, take a pause and go, you know, I can tell that we're, you know, having some major criticism of my approach here, and um, I'm understanding what you're saying. Let me think about this for a minute. And you know what? Let's take a quick bathroom break. And can I come back in just about two minutes, and I'll address that. Literally, I've had to do that. There is actually a situation where Jim saw me in tears at one point, and I still wonder if he remembers, like, hmm, is she going to get emotional in this situation? Um, <laughs> and and that having that kind of a script that you can pull out and sort of take a step back, to me, has been invaluable. Hmm. Let's take the next question. My name is Brianna, and my question is, have you done much research on – the productivity of women who are managing all of this stuff, if they're managing being a mom and they're working and they're married. You know, my parents' generation, you stayed home with your kids. But my generation, the millennial generation, it's normal for us to go to work and to manage all of these things. And I feel like I'm the most productive person on the planet because I have to be. Um, but back then, you know, it's you stay at home with your kids and that's the most productive thing. And so my mom looks at me and says, I have no idea how you do it. And I look at my day and I say, I have no idea how I do it either, but that's what we do. And I don't know any different because that's what my generation does. So have you done any research on what that looks like and if we're just as productive or? It's really interesting to hear you describe it that way because that's the way I feel too. You know, um, Generation X is kind of that same feeling of I'm juggling it all. I don't know how I'm doing it, but you just do it. And some of the studies that have been done actually do talk about the fact that we are literally just busier. I mean, there it used to be, you know, lights out when the sun went down. (laughs) You know, there wasn't electricity on the farm. And so that workday ended at 7. 
you know, and you just didn't have, you weren't juggling as much. And so we literally have filled our days more. So if you call that more productive, which it is, that's why our GDP has risen, right? That is literally more productive, then yes, we are more. But that's where, at least for some families, not everybody, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're comfortable making it work in the way that you're making it work and you're prioritizing certain things and that's working for you. But for some people, men and women, they have a hard time just figuring it out and they need some help in what should my priorities be and how does this work and how can I make it work in a way that I don't end up with regrets and I am not feeling like I'm doing nothing well. Um, so that's really the balance. It sounds like it's working great for you, but it doesn't always work great for everybody. Well, Shanti, let me uh, expand that a little bit because I think it's exhausting. I mean, one of the things that we hear at Focus on the Family from our listeners is just how exhausting life is right now, the pace and what technology has done. Mm-hmm. And even like she expressed, I'm juggling. I'm doing so much. It feels like we're at max capacity. Mm-hmm. And Things are giving way. Maybe it's our marriages. Maybe it is our family. How does a woman that maybe doesn't have that ability to juggle and be okay with it, uh, the the woman that wants to do the best job in every category, when she's failing in anyone, she actually feels depressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, depression is way up in the culture, and I think this is part of it. I cannot succeed. It's like the deck is stacked against me. Mm-hmm. I can't do well. I'm not getting to the closets. I'm not getting to my husband and having that relationship that I dreamed about. What can she do if that's her life? She feels like she's on a treadmill. Well, and this is where we get into the fact of sometimes you have to make choices. You have to sometimes let some things go. You just have to. And recognize there's different seasons of life and that some things you can do in one season you can't do in another or you just can't do in the same way. But one of the things that's an example of what God says, if you will do this, it will help. And the this is a Sabbath. And that's something that we are commanded to do. And a lot of us have given up because we have too many activities and too many things to fit in. But truly, if you will honor the Sabbath, I've seen this in my own life because I live an incredibly busy life. You know, I'll drive soccer practice and then go jump on a plane. And this is, I'm exhibit A, just like her. I'm exhibit A for this. But I felt like God was saying, your physical state is going down, your marriage is going down, but more than that, you're going down. And you have to keep the Sabbath. I did not design the human being to be able to work for seven days. You need a day of rest. But how can I get it all done? I don't care. You take a day of rest and you'll get it all done and the other six. But how am I going to get it all done? Trust me. Take the Sabbath. And it was amazing. Once I did that, I was in the middle of being a newspaper columnist at the time with these crazy deadlines, and it would take me about five or six hours to write a column. Literally, I would be on the plane home on a Saturday night from a speaking engagement, trying frantically to write this column and having a commitment before the Lord that when I landed and I got home, it was the start of the Sabbath for Sunday, right? Mm. And I wouldn't do my column. And suddenly, somehow, I managed to write this five-hour column in two hours on the airplane. Hmm, Amazing how that works. Like God just honors that. Just like making the field deliver extra in the sixth year because it's going to not be tilled on the seventh year. And it's, I mean, that is exactly the way God's economy works. We just have to trust him in it. 
Shanti, we have talked about so much, and, and the bottom line is, I hope it's been helpful. We probably have rankled some folks in one direction or the other. That wasn't our intent. We want to be honest about the discussion. This is the world that women live in today, and to simply uh, foist uh, a set of standards that may not be practical, may not be where they're at, we need to address that. And I am so grateful that you had the courage uh, to come here to focus on the family and shoot straight and to talk to us about what you're seeing in the culture, what your research is telling us. And I hope many people will pick up for women only in the workplace. Uh, that will be a great guide for them to help them through this jungle uh, out there, this corporate jungle and how to... Uh, really lift up the Lord in every situation. So thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure. And uh, what a great reminder we've heard today to be faithful in doing what God has called us to do and equipped us to do. And I hope that you'll follow up by looking for Shanti's book and getting some additional resources. Our program today was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. It's so helpful to hear the questions that are being asked by many women who are in the workplace and are juggling life in this day and age where busyness seems to be the norm. Shanti Feldhahn talked quite vulnerably and honestly about her journey and how men perceive women in the workplace. She's authored a book called For Women Only, What You Need to Know About the Inner Lives of Men. If you're interested in that, please call us on 031-716-3300 or visit our website at safamily.co.za. I'm sure you can tell one of our goals here at Focus on the Family is to equip you to engage the culture and to be the ambassador for Christ that he needs you to be in the workplace as well as in your home. And we need your help to continue doing that. If you've benefited by today's broadcast or something else that Focus on the Family has provided to you, would you please consider giving a donation? And if you're able to sign up as a monthly partner, as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you a special partnership pack of trustworthy resources to help you and your family thrive. You can sign up easily on our website at safamily.co. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa. I do hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.